Welcome to the Scrap Cans Podcast. I'm your host, Bird, and my guest today is D. Love Bomber. Scrap Cans. Scrap Cans. Thank you for being pro-children. Uh, it's no worries. It's no worries, man. I love it. Love I'm it, just going to talk, really. That's okay. All. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay, go for it. Like. All right. Well, I'll just start. Just maybe... Tell everybody, uh, what was what was one of the things that got you into art? What was the first? What were some of the first uh, writers that you liked? How did you first discover it, or how did you first get interested in in uh, in doing this? Well, my mom was an architect, so she had immaculate handwriting. Okay. She um. Are they known for that? Yeah. Like doctors have like real shitty handwriting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. An, an, an architect architects have very... amazing handwriting. Since ah. so, she had these scripts mm-hmm. when she was writing um, personal things, like um, everything had this lean to it. Actually, a lot of the writing, I'm from Savannah, a lot of the writing of people down there has a back lean to it. Like it, okay. it leans to mm-hmm. the left. Beautiful cursive, beautiful cursive. So I always admired her handwriting. And her mom had a beautiful handwriting. Her mom was a school teacher. So um, I had an eye for, and I always tried to imitate them. Well, I was never and still cannot write as well as they did. Um, But I was eight years old, and my aunt in New Jersey passed. So we took a road trip to New Jersey. This was 1989, early 1989. Okay. And so driving, once you hit like um, kind of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. underneath all the freeway underpasses on the main freeway, we're yeah. like completely crushed out with full burners, mm-hmm. full burners with characters. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That is amazing like i just mm-hmm. i didn't know it was we were passing by too fast to really like and of course it was too articulate for me to read I don't yeah know if that's the word i'm looking for it was too complicated for me to read so but, is that the first time you remember seeing it yeah actually yeah that was the first okay. time i remember seeing it in 1989 okay somewhere between philadelphia and new jersey and i just wow maybe that's why you've got the more new york style well that's Part of it, but the main reason is the first people to settle Savannah were from Miami, and Miami style at that time was very. It was like a slightly wilder version of New York lettering. Mm-hmm. Writers from New York brought their stuff to Miami, okay. so that was. Um, that's why I have like a New York style to everything I do, and you know, once. Um, so was Savannah influenced by Atlanta much? Or do you think you would say it was more Miami? It was, it was Miami. Yeah. Um, there were people from Atlanta would come through, but a lot of... Actually, my teacher was from... Well, he was from Columbus, but he um, was in a, a very famous crew of graffiti writers called CMH, Cause of Mass Hysteria. He wrote Beano. And his teacher okay. was a guy named Hayes, 
Hezuno, Jesus, or I forgot. It's, it's slipping my mind right now, but <laughs> legend. He was called Hayes for short. So are these are some of the first guys you met that were doing this? No, the first people I knew of to do it were the free agents from Miami. Okay. Those are the first people. And then we had trains. Like, mm-hmm. we had freight trains. So right. I would see a lot of the freight trains that came from Florida, passed through Savannah to go north. And there were trains that would come from Atlanta down through there in the mid-90s and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we would sit and bench freights, like, in the mid-90s when I was, like, 12, 13 yeah. years old. We wow. would just sit down benching freights. And it was very organic. It was natural. It was just something mm-hmm. we enjoyed doing. Yeah. So it wasn't like there was no air or stigma to it. We just walked you know, to the railroad tracks to hang out. I came to it much later, but I can kind of relate a little bit. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm going to take this photo. This is like crazy. This whole other, this whole other world, you know? So um, that's cool, man. So, like... Um, what was the first, uh, do you remember the first kind of times going out tagging or were you doing a lot of black book first or um, what was your first kind of times just getting out there and writing? That's a good question. I never thought about that. I so you really, the first time you did it. I don't remember the first time I did it. By the time I suppose that's probably a good thing, you know. It probably shows how prolific you are. By the time I remember doing it, mm-hmm. I was already I had yeah. already been doing it a, a very long time and it was a habit, my earliest memory. Mm-hmm. But I had a very traumatic childhood, so a lot of my a lot of my memory is blacked out mm-hmm. and it's just blank space from the events that were going on around me. Mm-hmm. So my earliest memory was it something you just kind of kept to yourself? I had friends. I had friends. No, I mean, it. you know, kind of away from your family. A little, kind of. I mean, they, they kind of knew, but you didn't want to really talk about it. They kind of knew, but they yeah. didn't really. Um, that was such a foreign concept. They only saw it in movies. And, mm-hmm. of course, this was during the crack years. And a lot of the Barbara Bush and the the up with hope, down with dope type stuff. When they would show these mm-hmm. scenes in Washington, D.C. and different things, it always be graffiti everywhere. So right. there was a very negative context with graffiti. Like it's, the whole it's, concept. it's funny, too, because it's like that was the positive thing for that, those kids to do, you know. And, and I, I, mean, I can't even I'm call sure, those. I don't know. I don't I'm sure know. it could be negative, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it, it does take a little bit of motivation. I mean, there's plenty of fuck-ups, but... It does take some motivation getting out there, and <clears throat> you know what I'm saying. Like, you kind of have to be, at least some of. Them, it, and it's different for everybody because culturally, it's different place to place. Because for, mm-hmm. um, that's why I say I can't really say a hundred percent. Like, because you just don't know. I mean, some some very beautiful and articulate. Um, I keep saying articulate. I don't. That's not the right word I'm looking for. Some. A, a lot of really like intricate um, um, it's like I don't really like speaking on like what other people are doing because like, I don't know I mean, that's fine I mean like, I guess I just from know. your perspective from my perspective I, I see personalities I see some people that are being negative I see some people that are being positive it's mm-hmm. just it's all a mixed bag and I just always kind of gravitated towards what made me feel good Mm-hmm. It's all about 
feeling good for me. Well, I guess that kind of is maybe going along with what I'm saying, you know, that uh, it was a release, you know, it was positive. Oh, definitely a positive release for me. It was a very positive release. Mm-hmm. Um, I could just tell a story, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I had um, my own personal interest in it. Because the thing is, at the time, a lot of the rap videos would, um, they would have a lot of really high-quality graffiti. These are, this mm-hmm. is during the UMTV raps and um, Rap City years. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I would record rap videos just to look at, oh, yeah. look at graffiti. And then the Source magazine, um, they're the the final page, the back page would always have like really, really good pictures of graffiti mm-hmm. back then. And I would go, I would walk to the grocery store to read comic books and look at the graffiti in the Source oh, man, magazine. I would do that. I would do that. That's so I remember cool. like my mom would go in the store and she would just circle back at the end when she was done to tell me to come wait in line with her, you know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> just go read the magazines, you know? You don't see that That's anymore. where I, like, for me, it was, like, skateboarding. Was like, That's where I would see it, you yeah. know? Yeah, I'd read Thrasher. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'd have, um, I, I'd never really oh, a lot of times, that. that's, that's, that was where I first saw it. was yeah. just in, in, you know, some of these, these, uh, skate parks and stuff that, uh, you know, are just homemade ramps and stuff. Kids would tag on it. But that is that, that does kind of bring up, you know, how important do you think it is as far as hip-hop? Do you feel like it can be separate? It depends on the style. Mm-hmm. The phrase graffiti just means something that's written illegally on a surface. Mm-hmm. But as for the style of lettering, where that it's people like they're like two parallel lines, you know, and they kind of cross at points, you know. And once again, it depends on who you ask. But mm-hmm. as far as I go, um, that the, the the style of lettering, like the bars, the bubble letters, and stuff like that, that is mm-hmm. is purely of hip hop origin. It's yeah, purely of a hip hop origin. So when people say that 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 oh graffiti is not hip hop. Graffiti isn't, but that style is distinctly mm-hmm. hip hop. Okay. Yeah. So that, right. if that answers your question. Yeah. That style of writing is mm-hmm. was was well actually it was kind of birth in the it was kind of the bridge of the the disco. They kind of, kind of, the yeah, disco, they kind of came di- hand in hand, but they were two things. The um, when. Disco was popular, and at that time, even during the disco years, people were still doing like that style of lettering. So, if the the, the phrase hip hop is often kind of blanketed used to describe um, Afro Latino New York culture, that you know the dances people were doing, the art people were doing, but it's it's an Afro-Latino art mm-hmm. that came during kind of the, the, the close of the disco era and the introduction of the hip-hop era. So it's hard to even say it's hip-hop. It's, 
that's Afro Latino art. That's okay. That's what. That's what it is. This is Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, we got a little history. I, I guess. Do you remember the first time you did, um, like, did uh, did some some painting or did a piece, um, throwing? When I was sixteen, I took red and white paint, and there was a door. And I wrote my nickname on it, and mm-hmm. like, wasn't really bubble letters. I can't even really describe the letters. Actually, I got a, a picture. I'll show you when we take a break. Okay. But um, actually, I have a picture of the first time I used spray paint. Nice. And I just built from there. And that was probably like a disposable camera or a thirty-five millimeter camera. It was a Canon AE-1. Oh, okay. Like my my mom was a. Uh, also mm-hmm. a very accomplished photographer in mm-hmm. addition to being an architect. Right. A very, very, very talented woman. And she was mm-hmm. a seamstress. So I grew up with a, a very artistic person in my life. Mm-hmm. And that was a big influence mm-hmm. um, as far as how I process things and whatnot. Okay, cool. Right on, man. Yeah, I, 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 that's one of the things I, I like about you too. You know, I've heard, I've actually, you know, I've seen maybe you had said it or maybe uh, I'd read it, uh, but you saying how you're more advanced as a photographer than a writer. I agree. That well, that's that's what, that was what you said. Well, that's what I I really yeah. believe that in my heart. Like, really, um, I just I, I guess. Don't you feel photography is a little more forgiving? You know, it's not. No. If if you're if you're in the mind frame, if you're thinking of mm-hmm. Henry Cartier Bresson, when you think of Robert Capa, when you think of um, Gordon Parks, mm-hmm. and those kinds of that oh, yeah. caliber of photographer right. is just as strict. Like when I approach taking photos, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to go for making a National Geographic shot, the time mm-hmm. I'm making a shot every time I pick up my cell phone. Um, I'm trying to be in the ranks of Steve McCurry and, like I said, yeah. Gordon Parks. Um, you know, that's that's interesting, too, because Gordon Parks, he did so much, too. He was a filmmaker and an artist as well. So Yeah, he, he had I think, a very I think big that's what's, Yeah, yeah, a lot. Now, I think that's what's interesting, too, is, like I say, uh, when we were talking earlier, I just feel like a lot of graffiti artists are kind of flat like okay i've got my bubble letters that's all i do you know and um i think when you have these other influences i think it can you know shape things turn them into unexpected places you go but see it's like it's in the era that i came up in it's like and and i i have to disagree with that because mm-hmm. it depends on who you hang out with Okay. It's also subjective to your experience because um, a lot of the writers in my circle, they do have other talents mm-hmm. artistically that they're really advanced at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of us are in our late 20s, early 30s, late 30s. So there's, you're not going to, it's... it's well, a, I guess I'm just doing a, a stereotype, but I'm just saying... I guess I'm just saying the benefits of, of doing more than one thing, you know. They all teach you something. Like, um, mm-hmm. as a photographer, I'm going to 
I'm going to see a wall that may have someone else's graffiti on it. Maybe it was somebody I don't know, or mm-hmm. I've I've even taken photographs of walls where it's like I know I'm never going to. There's no relating for me to ever have any true pure social contact with this person, but I'm trying to capture what I see as a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. So. I'm still forced to observe how they do things, so that's naturally going to influence what I do, even though I'm not somebody that runs with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. All right. So uh, I guess maybe just do some quicker, quicker stuff. What's kind of your favorite, favorite paints, favorite caps? Just whatever, or do you have some? Um, it depends on the job. It depends on what I'm doing. Okay. Different tools for different days. Um, for uh, hand styles, I like currently I like Montana tar black with mm-hmm. a New York fat cap. I pretty much I use a New York fat cap, a Lego cap, and um, a Universal outliner, and there's this um, green Montana outliner that I use. The level, for, level ones? I think number level, two. Okay, yeah. I think that's, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. And um, for tagging, I use like these, if I'm doing like really big fat cap tags, I use these orange caps that have like a blue dot on them and they give a, a, a area spray that's probably about six inches wide. So those are really fun Some to real play can with. crushers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... You know, put those on like a high pressure can and have fun. Right. Like, I, I just like. I like seeing what I can create. Mm-hmm. I like. I enjoy seeing what I create can create. I enjoy. I enjoy getting into the flow. It's all. All of it is about flow, and that's the thing, where there's the disconnect, between um, people that really don't understand hip hop culture. Hip hop culture is all about flow. And bars, whether you're talking about breakdancing, you're talking about graffiti, if you're talking about rapping, if you're talking about turntablism, it's all about flow, achieving flow. And you have to be aware of flow to um, to flow. Dancing is flow. Mm-hmm. Flow is like... I remember you talking about dancing affecting your art, too. I just found that yeah. fascinating. It does, 100%. Like, yeah. if you look at... Um, Graffiti done by people who dance, it looks completely different than that mm-hmm. by people who do not dance. Totem is a very accomplished break dancer. Mm-hmm. And you can feel it in his artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, other people... Yeah, that's another thing, too, when we were kind of talking about people doing a lot of stuff. He's like a skateboarder, too. and does Very the, good at the, it. Uh, the, uh, you know, the cool cars. And see, all, the thing is, all that stuff um, is, I, it's it's hard to even call it hip-hop culture. This is just raw, I mean, it's all, urban, it's all, American culture. Like, the cars, yeah. like, when I grew up, um, people would move from New York and say, oh, you guys aren't doing hip-hop, because, you know, you, the, the sounds of the street where I'm from were, like... Mm-hmm. Um, no Limit Records, Suave House, um, 
Rap-A-Lot Records like Scarface, um, mm-hmm. 8-Ball and MJG, um, Master P, Mystical. That that was the sound of the street. Hip-hop is the sound of the street. And along with that, you got the flashy cars. Like, mm-hmm. everybody, that was, this is the thing. Flow it, it just sort of changed. It's, it, was, it was still hip-hop. It just changed. You know, it was just a little different down in the South. Different influences. Right. Um, you you have the um, the bluesy stuff. You have the New Orleans bounce and things like that. Um, Miami was like booty shaped yeah. for a long time, and all I heard, all I knew was booty shaped music really until like sometime in the early nineties when Outcast. I started. No, no, no. Yeah. Before that, like okay, um, they were. Um, they were ninety four. I mean, when that came out. yeah. Okay. I believe the the first singles dropped in like '93. Okay. But um, even before that, um, like I said, Rap City and UMTV Raps exposed people to a lot of stuff. So whenever those shows came out, that's when I first started getting exposed to more northern traditional. Actually, um, I remember my dad bought the first Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince album, which was okay, really good. Um. Parents just don't understand it's kind of a distracting track because it's so poppy, but that's mm-hmm. actually an amazing hip-hop album. Like, amazing. The lyricism, the production, the so much about that album is just utterly genius, but it, nobody really knows about it. Yeah. Nobody knows I mean, that. kind of uh, outshined him, you know? Outshined who? DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, no, 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 no. He never outshined DJ Jazzy Jeff. He was always like... Um, Jazzy Jeff was the backbone of that group. They were actually they had such amazing chemistry. It's like you couldn't have one without the other. Basically, they met each other. He said, "Wow, this guy can count music." He was at a party. Jazzy Jeff was DJing. He's like, "Wow, this guy can count bars and whatnot." And they just had a very dynamic chemistry. That the thing is, their pop songs they were marked. They did so well from a pop way, pop standard and. Nobody ever really looked at the science of what they were doing, but they were, both of them were amazing. And I also say, musically, if anything, musically, Jazzy Jeff outshined Will Smith. Jazzy okay. Jeff went on to produce songs for Jill Scott. Like, oh, all right, all right. Like well, I'm the, learning he, something then. Jazzy Jeff has a very, very, very articulate musical heritage um will smith is just like he's a big movie star so if you mm-hmm. see him yeah you i see guess him. that's where i came to, came to that um jazzy jeff was actually my um inspiration to become a turntablist okay um right. when i heard um i think the track's name was he's the dj and the rapper and will smith in the first half of the track does like dope battle rapping and then on the second part, Jazzy Jeff shows his skills on the turntables, which he he invented a lot of the the, the modern, a lot of the modern. I think he no, I think DJ Cash Money invented the Transformer Scratch. But anyway, Jazzy Jeff was a very innovative turntablist. What's the Transformer Scratch? Huh? What's the Transformer Scratch? Is it? Yeah. Let's just 
talk about it later, actually, because yeah, I don't right. want any copyright stuff. But uh, anyway, I'll, I'll definitely we'll have to uh, check that out. Yeah, I just don't. YouTube is all. Uh, they're all uh, all about that. It, it, it seems so stupid to me. All these record companies—they're just being like, they're being so stupid. You know, they're being so short-sighted. You know, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. You know, so all these videos are getting flagged on, on YouTube, and and it's just these greedy record companies. But it's like, you know what? You guys are getting free advertising and exposure out of this for like in the long run. It just seems so stupid. That was one reason I uh, moved away from. I, I move. I'm migrating away from iOS because. Yeah. Like if I want to put, if I want to overlay a song on a video, mm-hmm. if it's in their database, it needs later versions of iOS. It will not allow me to. Mm-hmm. It'll say um, this isn't available in your country. And from I, from from the music app, it oh, didn't do that before. Have you seen that where um, there's like an app now that switches your IP, so you can be, like. The some of the stuff that doesn't work in this country, you can go to a different country mm-hmm. and and go to it. It's a VPN. That's what it is. Yeah, I run VPNs everywhere. Uh huh. Never leave home without it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm like. Have you heard of this? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know unless you bring it up. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Well, let's get back to maybe uh, just a couple more um, kind of more history kind of questions what what, what were some of the uh, what were some of the the first uh, first stuff you you really related to as far as you, you told me uh, the the earlier stuff but what was when you were first first out there getting some paint out what was some of the, the writers or crews that you were into um The free agents, um, it was DK, Shy, Ease, Rays, forgetting the rest of them, but they had a very large um, footprint in Savannah. They had like they would come to um, our neighborhoods and do these amazing murals of like Bodhi characters, and they're just they were mind uh uh-uh, uh 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 no uh uh-uh, come down they were just mind blowing like. I had never seen nothing like that in my life. Like it was just so, the the energy was so intense. I mean, just staring at them, and they would repaint them. They paint car washes, like all. Yeah. They, it was just murals. They do murals like that was what they did for fun. Just like they were when they were in Miami, and we would just being little kids in the area. We just look at them, mm-hmm. try to imitate them. Um, it wasn't until later on I would spend start spending my summers in New York for a short time when I um, okay. got high school age. I think I, maybe I graduated. Yeah, that was 99. I spent my first summer in New York and okay. I went to um, Hunts Point where the Tats crew had, um, they had graffiti lessons for kids. Oh, nice. And, um, so you just kind of rock up with a black book or something, and they they just kind of uh, showed you what they were doing, or kind of. I mean, it's like it was just a hangout. It was a safe place because it's like the Bronx mm-hmm. was a very very dangerous place. It was a very very dangerous place, 
and the Hunts Point Community Center was like a shelter from how unstable the environment was and then they were older I mean they used to do the stick up kid thing when they were young yeah. but they were they were playing the, the position of role models and when I expressed myself since no matter you know in, in social media it's like I feel a responsibility to be honest about who I am make sure like situations that I'm in that are publicly known, I'm honest about them because I remember how I respected them because I knew Mm -hmm. a lot about them. Like you knew, you saw what they wrote on the walls, you saw different names and stuff. Then when you went to hang out with them, you would see like pictures of their family. You start putting the um, the dots together. Mm -hmm. What kind of, the whole picture of this person from what, you saw like on some mural yeah. at the time, Big Pun, they were doing like these, I don't, had Big Pun died at that point? I don't think so. I don't think sure. he was dead at 99. But you know, uh, I know Fat Joe used to write, write graph. Well, yeah. the, the, the Fat Joe's Tats crew, the Brim was the, actually the, I think the founding member of Tats crew. And I think Brim was Terror Squad and Tats crew. Cause, uh, okay. um, You'll hear Brim mentioned a lot in Fat Joe and Big Pun's music. And I was living in kind of in that environment, like my mm-hmm. um, in the, the Afro-Latino community up there. So I got a lot of exposure to that culture, the style. And that's another, I was just had got to that point of the story, but that's mm-hmm. why um, you see so much of a, a New York influence of what okay. I do, because I spent... That summer, uh, good. Okay, so that would have been right before he died. Uh, he passed away February two thousand. Oh yes, yeah. So uh-huh. I saw. Then the following summer, mm-hmm. the rest in peace murals were up. Ah. Uh, okay. Then the following summer, like right. they would just be refreshing the murals. Like every mm-hmm. su- every subsequent summer, I'd I'd be up there. So yeah, I spent a lot of time in New York. A mm-hmm. lot of time in New York. Um, but then I was spending a lot of time. I had spent a lot of time in Atlanta. Um, my uncle was a, a businessman, and he had um, businesses that relied on certain businesses here. So, I mean, he liked to party you up love here. My baby. So, um, yes, I love your baby. Oh, you, oh, I'm sorry. You are not talking to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, um, that's our that's our special guest (laughs) so you know we got on this whole New York thing but even when I was in my late teens I was spending a lot of time in Atlanta and there are a lot of that you could see a lot of really really good graffiti in the mid and late 90s in Atlanta really good graffiti Mm-hmm. Um, during those days, um, AWR and um, MSK oh, yeah. right. had a very large footprint. And I, I see those guys painting. Like, mm-hmm. I experienced that. Um, the HOD crew, you'd see, like, these just massive, massive works. And they'd be illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a lot of legal work, too. But I'm saying, like, 
people often pride themselves that, oh, I'm going bombing. But in that era, um, when you would see Totem and all these different people, when they they would do something extremely intricate Mm -hmm. in like a hot spot. It wasn't just like a throwing. So the thing was... Well, that did at this point. It's just... It's it's hard to fathom his level, those mechanical letters and stuff. And the thing they're is, just absurd. Those the thing is, the people back then they practiced a lot. Yeah, they weren't as distracted. And the thing is, since I really like that. Yeah, those people they they still have those habits, and that's why still that's why they're advancing so much faster in an organic manner. Like you'll see people. I've actually talked to people locally, where um, it's like. It's not something to be ashamed of, but a well, lot of different styles, ways of thinking. Yeah, I, I think you're just saying, kind of these guys were doing more quality over quantity. And well, I'm saying I mean they were couple, probably getting quantity too. Yeah, I'm saying a couple different things. I'm saying that um, styles had to be grown organically, so they came from a lot of practice. Whereas you'll mm-hmm. see a person they'll pop up out of the blue. And they'll have this advanced-looking graffiti, but it doesn't have the same substance as those people did because now it is. And I do it myself. Like, you're looking at the internet. You're grabbing all these different things. Yeah. And at the same time, what's actually kind of beautiful about now is you have access to see everything going on around the world. And so you build something very unique Mm -hmm. for yourself that nobody else can really duplicate because it's like these are, I don't know, what influences you look at. I don't know what magazines you read. Magazine graffiti was like a big taboo thing right. in the 90s. Um, things just change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the internet's it's it's the uh, gift and the curse, you know. It's just like there's so many there's so many uh, things you can see, but yet we're we're so oversaturated, you know. So, I I'm really grateful that of this time, you know, because I'm getting exposed to all this stuff, you know, finding these people and whatnot. But I'm also too. I'm also kind of like turning inward, where I'm just like, oh, I'd rather just actually just go see it, you know, you know, or even on YouTube too. Like I like seeing that. Especially for, like, train videos. So that's out there, you know. Scrap cans. Scrap cans. Um, alright, so... I'm trying to think of how to get there. <laughs> okay, so you would, uh... Spoke about growing up in Savannah, and you've lived a lot at other places. Uh, what's what what's what's actually what's uh, your favorite? Some of your favorite spots so far. Atlanta is my favorite place to live. Okay. Um, I. It's disappointing to watch it disappear. Mm-hmm. Um. You had said this area is kind of like what you grew up in, but now it's not anymore. Now it's changing. 
yeah, rapidly. It's changing rapidly to the point where even the children that are from this area, like my kid, they're disoriented by the, the amount of construction, the flooding, the flood levels have increased on the street. Like, if it rains, you can't walk down certain sides of the street because mm-hmm. the water levels are literally like four inches high and it wasn't like that before Um, you have the prices of everything in the neighborhood have significantly increased there's no there's no kind of no barriers to control there's no barriers to control the um, the rate of building there's no planning it's just people are buying Mm-hmm. land and building random things that um, are negatively impacting the physical environment and you also have um, this trend where you have these individuals who move into the area to get a good deal on a house or to live in this up and coming area because it's getting ritzy mm-hmm. and um you know, they're moving into a house that was owned by a family for three generations. Mm-hmm. And they don't like the people that were here before. And they'll do things like you having a barbecue. Same barbecue, same peaceful barbecues that have been going on for 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. And they call the police because yeah. they're uncomfortable. All right. Yeah. Um, the... When on the flip side, when they having their corny soccer parties, when they um, when they get together, you know, drinking beer and stuff like that, and the things that are culturally normal to them, we don't call the police on them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and then their children, the children, um, and I can bring this back to graffiti. It's like the children. They write on things that survived 10 generations of graffiti writers because it's like you don't write on that. That's not an appropriate thing to write on. It's a respect thing. Mm-hmm. And the lack of respect, the, the, a lot of the graffiti that is occurring on like mom and pops and things like that now that didn't occur before. Mm-hmm. It's a general, it's a visual expression, it's a, a visual display of the general lack of res- respect that has been occurring as these neighborhoods have become colonized. It's like just old mm-hmm. school colonialism. It's like mm-hmm. we plant our flag here, you do things as we say. Um, you have people who bought their house when they were in their prime in their 30s for $8,000. Mm-hmm. They're on a fixed income. They're in their 70s. They don't know how to drive because they plan their life to mm-hmm. live here. Right. And then they get put out. Mm-hmm. And you see people in tears. Like, I've seen it more than once. People mm-hmm. in tears. Like, Packing up their their wife's things like that movie up like is so heartbreaking to actually interact with the people that are leaving the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and I happen to though I am though I am African American and from that demographic I happen to 
have a skill where I can't afford to stay here for a bit longer. I'll be here for a few more years before it's unaffordable. But most people... I mean, hey, you know, maybe maybe that won't be the case. You know, maybe you can stay stable wherever you like, you know. Knowing me, I'll find a way. And now the mm-hmm. thing is, since I don't want to move, I'll figure something out. Because it's like I'm tired of moving. Like, mm-hmm. I've lived... I've lived in Arizona, I've lived in Los Angeles, I've lived in Oakland, I've lived in Berkeley, I've lived in New York, I've lived all, I've lived quite a few places, Mm -hmm. and um, I really like, you like it here, I like it here, I like um, the architecture of the homes in the area, they're very, like if you look at this home, it's a very social layout, Mm -hmm. Um, yet there's a lot of privacy. The, the people that are on this side of the house, they're not disturbed by what we're doing. Right. You could have so much going on over here and even the acoustics with the way this house was designed the bedrooms are still peaceful a lot of modern houses um i know there's open floor plans but this was still this was a culture this was this this represents like old america like you know i'm gonna have a few kids there's a master bedroom right here kids are going to be up front you would have like three or four kids sharing that bedroom, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the '60s or or this house was built in 1931. Um, so in those days, you would have like all these people piled up in this house and comfortably, like it's 1,200 square feet. But the layout, it's mm-hmm. just so comfortable. So I just really enjoy. I like living where I don't have to have a car. I really love that. Like, my whole world is... I think, yeah, it's a, such a complicated issue because, you know, some of these people doing this are bad and some of them aren't, you know? Some Most people, people just want to live close to in town and if they can make the money to pay for it, you know, that's that's what they want. We'll but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it is problematic. You know, my thing is not even gentrification. What I really hate... I mean, because I see a lot of that as, you know, opportunism. I mean, maybe capitalism's bad, but I, I don't necessarily see, you know, when I'm hearing you, I see these, these negatives, you know, but I, from living out in the suburbs, it's just, you know, my rent went up just a little bit this year. Everything's but, more expensive. Yeah, Haircuts so, are more expensive Oh, yeah, now. yeah. But I guess what I was getting at is that um, the thing that bothers me is, that schools are based off of property tax. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, when people say, um, what is that kind of racism? Uh, what is it? Uh, some, it's like systematic, but you know, you know what I'm getting at. That's, that's to me, that, that's a shame, you know? Every kid in America should get good schools, you know? So that's what, that's what really, you know what I mean? That's what really kills me. So now these she goes these other to a good, she goes to an amazing school. It's almost on the level of a private school. Mm-hmm. If we go back to but, uh, around these these here, your property values are, are yes. what's causing that. And so I'm just saying it's it's just it's so it's just so ridiculous. You know, it's absurd. Whether you're in the country, whether you're in inner city, you know you're. I think every kid should get a good education. It's like, that's so, that's just so fucked that. Police response. I had um, this girl, she was getting beat up by her own man. 
she ran across the street asking for help. You can't come to the house, but you can sit on the porch and I'll watch you. I called the police. Police came within under five minutes. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years ago, they didn't even come. They come, but yeah. then they wanted to. Whenever they wanted to come. It was um, in the two thousands. Yeah, that was in the two thousands when we were in. Um, when I lived in Decatur, I called police one time. Somebody was actively breaking <laughs> in my people. So irritating. What did you say? Eating chips. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was in Decatur, um, I was my house was actively my house was actively getting broken into, mm. and um, I called the police. Me and my mom were living together, and um, I said, "Go get up in the attic," because somebody trying to break in the house. So I sent her up in the attic. I called the police. They said we can't come right now because they on a we. we having a shift change so there's nobody available so you guys kind of just have to sit there and um that's ridiculous that's public enemy had a song in the early 90s called 911 as a joke mm-hmm. and that's the whole that was actually part of why I left California because like since with, with the way um gun laws are there there's a lot of bullies there's a lot of bullies that just roll around bullying on people mm-hmm. and they have a lot of stuff you can't get away with here because there's the possibility that someone's going to oh, be on. You know, Chicago has the strictest gun laws. Yeah, look at the that. highest rate of homicide, the highest rate of death by guns, and they have you you, you can't you can't legally have a gun there. You know. So, so and what that creates is you the people that are going to own them regardless. It's like they're, they're already lawbreakers. So yeah. It's like, what's their moral? Oh, they can't have my gun anymore. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, you know. I don't care. But okay, well, um, but for the moment, with these problems, you're still wanting to be here, so I guess, you know. Yeah, well, the thing is, as long as I'm being left alone, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. And my focus is just, I'm trying to build my um, streetwear brand and the thing is the, what's making my streetwear brand Love Bombers different from at least all the mainstream brands is it's something that was actually birthed from the street mm-hmm. so the, the goal I have with the company is authenticity and I want to present I'd like to present a product a company like my whole vision is like kind of merging National Geographic style exploration with urban streetwear, like ed- merging education and fashion. That's mm-hmm. my goal. That's why I write the way I do. It's like I'm. That's my vision board. My social media account is like a vision board, mm-hmm. and it's how I sort out my thoughts of how I'm going to move forward in the real world, and um, the pillars of. My brand are facts. Everything's got to be true. Everything's got to be factual. And when I break down facts, it's like fresh, authentic culture, teaching style. Like that's the whole. Like the thing is, where I'm, where I'm from, and I'm sure this echoes in other communities. But 
in the Afro-Latino communities. You in the Afro-Latino communities, um, you're judged viciously on style. Mm-hmm. Like, how stylish are you? At least that's how it was back then. Things have kind of changed with the internet. I like, know. Like, you used to kind of have to, like, put a lot of effort into being cool. Now it's like, yeah, I mean. It's, it's yeah. off the shelf. Yeah, sure. Like, you, okay, you got online. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> um, uh, you were saying about uh, yeah, style. it being style. Yeah, style. Style is very, a very important thing to... Um, developing oneself and you see that in the expression with the cars the art and everything else so you know i like to bring that same flavor to my clothing like instead of um i want every garment that i put out to make people feel something like every i want every person wearing one of my garments to be a moving work of art mm-hmm. Baby, can you come turn this thing down? The volume on that down so the music can go down. But I'm starting to get sleepy. Okay. Um, okay. We don't down, 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 down. Thank you. Okay. Um, I got you. But what? You mean you know you talk? Well, um, let me actually ask you. Uh, speaking of that, so taking kind of this this art form and putting it into to clothing and whatnot. Um, is there anyone else out there that kind of inspires you about that? Or um, the con art and tribal streetwear. Mm-hmm. Those are con art was the first streetwear brand. Okay. And they had their their designs were very street like that was. Mm-hmm. If you do your research on con art and look at some of the artwork that they had. It was mind blowing, and they printed that stuff on T-shirts. And tribal, tribal was a little different in the fact that they really tried to like grab influences from all over. Like mm-hmm. they would like link up. They'd do a lot of collabing with different people that shared their vision. And I found them to be very similar mm-hmm. um, as I meet people. But like I said, it's got to be fresh and authentic. So. Just because somebody's like a hot artist, that doesn't mean I want to collab with them. Yeah. Because the thing is, their vision has to line up with mine. Mm-hmm. It's a very... When you think about like the kind of gallery thing, like kind of more mainstream, like... like it's okay. People like Revoke or... Hey, you got nothing against that, but that's... Just not your interest in though. Yeah, it's just kind of... it's. It doesn't excite me. Like mm-hmm. I got, I was in an art show recently, and I did it because it was my friends. And I got another one coming up, and I just agreed to it because they were my friends. Um, I mean, I'm kind of excited. I, I, I like to say, I, I like to see the different kind of aspects that see how this person does oh. to this medium. You yeah, know? I mean that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. But you know, you coming in from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I have gotten so much criticism. Um, from different people. I got called a culture vulture by a white dude that was using Gucci Mane as an avatar. <laughs> Dead serious dude called yeah. a culture vulture. And the truth is, right now, I'm out to have fun. No, that's my sister. 
I'm out to have fun and make money. Coral. Um, so, yeah, that's something that, that, that kind of irritates me. It's like, well, why can't you just be into what you're into, you know? Like, if you have an appreciation for it, I think it's maybe if you're trying to just take it and have no concern, you're just trying to make money off of it, I could see that. And then, see, but, see, like, this you know, is, why let, can't you... Let me step in for a second. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the people that so quick to call people culture vultures, they have no business even using a phrase, first of all, I'm certified. Yeah. Somebody from, the, the person who actually taught me about the in the, the cultural aspects of graffiti and hip-hop from was Zulu Nation, mm-hmm. like Universal Zulu Nation. He, this guy it actually invited me to go personally on tour with him in African Bambada. Like, oh, wow. I'm, and I'm from the Afro-Latino community. Okay. Yeah, it's and not it's like I, there's I, not there's not anything that I do not have to prove. Like Jay Z said, people used to always criticize him because he's wealthy. He said, "I am the culture," and it's like a lot of people are forgetting that, especially a lot of people that are not from our communities. They feel that they know more about the culture <laughs> than we do, and it's like you didn't come out of this. So I guess what I'm just saying is, it's like, if you appreciate something, you know, that's just enough in itself, you know, like, it, it doesn't seem to matter to me, you know, I saw this thing on, um, I guess, uh, I can't remember her name, but there was one of these famous pop singers, she wore a kimono and it became a big deal and she apologized and uh, I saw this thing of, people uh, going around Japan asking, you know, asking these questions like, who can wear a kimono? And they were just like, anybody? You know? Yeah. And they were actually like, oh, they're they're celebrating our culture. Like, they actually had, like, didn't think about it at all the way it was. I think it was um, Katy Perry, I believe. <laughs> anyway, but I, I'm just saying that the, the Japanese people were like, oh, they're celebrating our culture. Like, they looked at it, like, completely the opposite, you know? And it was just like, well, if you appreciate something, like... Well, see, this, whether that, it's, that's the, let me help you to understand where I'm coming from. It's not... The thing is, appreciation is beautiful. Um, Eminem is still one of the... One of the most technically advanced MCs. Mm-hmm. And he still gives credit to those that are more advanced than him, like Farrell Moss. He's quick to do that. You can never see him try to front on that. Now, the point I'm making is, um, why I bring up Jay-Z, while I'm talking about this experience with this white kid using the Gucci Mane avatar, it's the criticism. It's yeah. you telling me I can't make money off of this. And the thing is, it's my birthright to use this to better my family and that's actually if you look at have you ever seen wild style mm-hmm. you look at that all those people were using the art that they developed to try to create a better life for themselves mm-hmm. but what happened in my view the underground and quotation marks culture of the late 90s and early 2000s there was a lot of jealousy of the people that were getting successful like mm-hmm. mega success, right. like the Puffies, like the, like the Puffies, um, masterpiece and stuff like that. And the thing is, 
part of the culture is hustling. Yeah. And so just because somebody it's always been there. Yeah. Always been there. Like that's and why I bring Master up. P is like super smart. He's that's that he's like, like Warren <laughs> yeah. Buffett smart. Oh, I he's know, I so know. smart. That's I know. a smart dude. Yeah. I've um, heard some interviews and some podcasts with him and I'm just like, Oh, that's totally not what I thought this dude was <laughs> you know. And the and the thing is it's like not a lot the thing is just like you just said that a lot of people with all things it's like you have to know how to listen to it I have a friend down the street um who this is how I, I've why I don't attach a color to the gentrification thing because she gets bullied too because mm-hmm. she's not of that class but anyway well, it, as what it I'm trying, comes from hold on let me, let me let me say this okay I don't. I did not know how to listen to country music, so I did not enjoy country music. Mm-hmm. But upon listening to country music and rocking out with her one night, she sitting with her, learning the sway, learning. I had to understand the rhythms to actually begin enjoying the music. Mm-hmm. So we we have so much entertainment shoved down our throats without any context. So then we start laying judgments. Oh, this person's dumb. Oh, this person's materialistic. This person's that. This person's this. But we don't know anything about it. That's why I think this kind of thing is so important, you know? Like, and when someone's passionate about it, something, like, they can show you things about it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's the best. Well, anyway, what I was going to say is, um, for me, it's just like, well, a lot of uh, gentrification comes from Gentiles. I think I'm pretty sure that comes from gentle, just white people. That's yeah, the but root, root, I don't know. But I think the, so. I uh, think so. Like but to word. me, it's like well, it's like I can't. Okay, I I I get. I get that the, the, these are areas that were there were black areas, but it's actually like, hold it, on, it, pause. It, I'm sorry. Let me because see the thing is you're about to go into something I could actually clear a lot of stuff. But it's a class thing. Cabbage Town was mm-hmm. made up of Anglo people, mm-hmm. and the thing is, a higher class of Anglo people disuprooted them. When mm-hmm. whomever or whatever bodies of individuals decide that they want to develop an area into a certain place, mm-hmm. that's when you start seeing the movement of the lower classes. That's why I bring up my friend down the street that taught me how to listen to country music. She's mm-hmm. one of those old residents that. Um, could have easily lived in Cabbage Town and worked at the cotton mill. Um, growing up in Savannah, it was very similar to East Atlanta. We really didn't know. I didn't start using the phrase white people till I moved to California. Because mm-hmm. that's when I was exposed to a different class of Anglo people. The Anglo people that I grew up around were just as dirty as me. And they, mm-hmm. our fathers worked together. Um, we went to, there weren't that many of them, but we still went to school together. So I did not really even grasp a lot of the concepts that I was seeing on TV because I didn't have the context to understand yeah. a lot of um, racial issues because my community was so small. And when I talk to people here in this community, East Atlanta, Cabbertown, they were a lot of the same, mm-hmm. you see a lot of the same patterns. Um, I really didn't experience racism until I left Georgia. 
Okay. I as and I heard yeah. stories like my grandfather which, really which got most it, people but. would 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 find surprising. You know, we're always looked at. Uh, you know, we're always just looked at being so backwards. But you know, I think it's really not true. You it's know? not true. You know, the thing is, is um, Atlanta is really. You know, it's a really. Uh, quite different than a lot of these smaller towns you know, yeah no this is fuck nowhere yeah 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 so i guess what i meant was the, the whole thing about white people is just like man there's a lot of white people and it's like man that's just a certain group and you know really and there's no offense i i'm i'm open i don't care what what you're into but it really it's a, a lot of gay folks you know because they typically have two incomes you know and you know they, that you're actually they, yeah right? I mean it was really they they were kind of the they're kind of the first to come into these areas you know and well, so they, they they put a lot of money into the houses because you know they typically don't have children and you know they those typically the a lot first, of have lucrative jobs you know those are the first people to hook the houses up the first white people to come into these neighborhoods are usually like waiters and things that can't mm-hmm. afford to live yeah, anywhere you're, else you're uh your creative artist types, yeah. your musicians, mm-hmm. you know, Those they come things. in because they want to live um, and, and and save their money. They might be not making as much money, so they want to get their costs down. And uh, But I'm just saying, it's just weird to say, oh, it's like, well, there's a lot of white people, you know? And if a black person um, puts a lot of money if they put $20,000 in their house and then sell it to another black person that wants to come live in town is that gentrification I, I don't know you know gentrification is when the pe- that's why that's why I bring up Cabbage Town mm-hmm. because Cabbage Town was a complete Anglo community all those people worked at the cotton mill they were mm-hmm. practically slaves at the cotton mill some of those people worked for lodging alone that's how they live those people a lot of people don't know those aspects of that the the old south the old southern living that a lot of the white people were pretty much they weren't much different Mm -hmm. they were not they they had more rights but Mm -hmm. the quality of life still wasn't very high yeah Um, see it's like i i see where you know where it comes i just feel like it's just misnamed you know, I think you have a right there. It's just basically a displacement of, of you know, of class. Of okay, now we're gonna make this area really expensive. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's swank restaurants popping up in places where they were, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe a, a mom and pop sandwich shop or something like that. Right. And fine, nothing's wrong with the expansion, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There are no and people are like, uh hate these high-res apartments and stuff I'm just like well somebody likes them you know it's just that's just I just like I say I just have a more objective view of it that's just what's going on you want that on a dishwasher let me see where Ew, don't touch it. Ew, go wash your hands, baby. Go wash your hands. I'm not touching it. Okay, well, can you put that in the sink and go wash your hands, baby? And start brush your teeth and get ready for bed, please. <laughs>
Thank you. You already brushed your teeth? Yes. Well, brush them again. I want you to brush those front teeth really good. You can go in the bathroom and brush your teeth. <laughs> As she gets older, she's been so much fun. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, she's probably grown a lot since you saw her last. They grow, they grow quick. They grow. Yeah. They grow. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's, um... And you think there's, there's so many just different. There's just so many different things. You know, what I mean, it's such a just scattered, almost thing happening. So to put even it's one term scattered. on it is kind of ridiculous. It's scattered, but not scattered because I saw the same thing happening in Oakland when I was mm-hmm. leaving. And a lot of if I was watching, she's got. Well, also you're kind of in it. I was saying like my rent went up a little bit, but I mean it goes up everywhere, and that's just the nature of it. But. I'm more just looking at it from afar. I'm like, oh, well, this is happening over here, you know. So it's, I'm certainly open to, to to hearing about it and whatnot. You, you clearly are. But um, yeah, I, I I just I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just living gangster out in the burbs, you know. <laughs> I, I I mean, I've actually joked uh, that what we're doing out out. Out in the burbs, it's like degentrification, you know. Like we're bringing those values down. We're a little white trash here. It's my, literally my place. But that, that that's direction. The, it's but so that's the thing. We're we're doing. We're basically doing what we were just saying with these artists. Like you know, my my expenses are pretty low because I have some roommates. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like for me. The only thing, the only real reason that wanting to move down here is to still being single, but that's not that big of a deal. But everything else, I'm just like, oh no, I want to, I want to, um, you know, I want to save money. You know, I want to be able to, you know, get new guitar gear and and you know buy spray paint and practice and you know I. I used to work two jobs and it's like man, I've just spend all the money, so it's like. I just I want my time you know that's what I value so for me to move in the city you know I could do it I could afford it but I would just I'd have you know no time I'd have to work more and you know I'd have to scale back on everything so you know there's an advantage uh, and disadvantages of, of all of them it's I, I don't know it's Orwellian yeah. If you, I, I, I recently saw the thing. Like I said, I saw the same thing happen in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching. She's got to have it. Spike Lee's latest TV series, mm-hmm. and they're building a lot of the same high rises in Brooklyn that they're building here. Like it's like the same building. No, oh, yeah, the same plans. The same plans. Kind of makes every, sense. <laughs> every place across America, <laughs> yeah. there's a men's warehouse. That's like the place you go get suits right. across the nation. It's just like this homogenization of Man, America. I was driving to, uh, I went to Mississippi last week. And uh, I didn't go too far into the state, but... It's just like nothing but fields and just fast food, fast food, fast food. Fields, 
next little just strip of fast food and gas stations. Like that was all I saw. I saw absolutely nothing but chain. Like it was just like, oh, there's the Wendy's, there's the McDonald's, there's the the Quick Trip, and it's a big field. And then the same thing, flipping over and over, and it's just like, wow. And you know, I'm from a real small town, so it's just like, wow. You know, like everything is just kind of the same. It's just a big bunch of corporate chains and then some space for some houses and then the same, you know, the same thing. You know, here in the city, it's like at least there's there's some things that are not just all big corporate thing, but uh, man, you kind of start getting out. Like, that's all you'll see. Nothing but fast food restaurants. I've been there. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not looking for an answer, but it's just like, I have, like, for my own self-peace, I have to articulate the feelings and get them out so that, so that I cannot worry about the, oh, that's how it is, and be done. But, um, yeah, if you want to, like, do some more another time, I'll fill it in, or if you feel like you have enough footage... I'm cool, and then you could like make like a part two or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time we hook up, yeah. like, oh, well, we might be get it set up a little better too. Yeah. Maybe I have some, you know, help me get some gas. No, I'll see about that. Do like I said, I'm not that social these days. Well, speaking of social, do you want to say any anything? Do you want to plug your any kind of stuff or where people can find your art or your clothing? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, my I have my clothing brand is called Love Bombers. The URL is www.loveloveboomrs.com. Um, you can follow my account at loveboomrs and my personal account, which um, has is chock full of random stories um about my life is d love bomber which is d-e-e-l-u-v-b-o-m-r and all right that's it well dude it's pretty fun i think we'll we'll do it more hopefully you'll yeah, be interested we'll in it we can add to it and uh fuck yeah man thanks <laughs> for the ride to the grocery store <laughs> no worries I appreciate it. Don't forget your water. (laughs) All right.